Good morning and welcome to worship. And what a beautiful worship time it's been already. Thank you, praise, praise team, for leading us so beautifully. It is a blessing indeed for us to be able to gather together as God's people, as a family of faith here in this sanctuary or whether you're gathering with us from home via the internet and all that stuff, we're glad you're here. If you're here for the first time today, I'm Pastor Ann. And I am honored and blessed to serve alongside Pastor Andy, who's not here today because his eldest daughter is graduating from high school. And um, they have, have a couple weeks here where their calendars are jam-packed with her, her uh, different activities and family celebrations. So we join in wishing uh, Alexis well and the family uh, blessings as they celebrate together. Uh, if you're here, though, know that we are glad you're here with us and you're welcome here any and any time at all because we are a faith community that is committed to sharing in hope, living with purpose for the sake of others. In this series that we've been going through the past few Sundays, Empowered to Witness, um, we've been looking at the birth of the church as described in the book of Acts. And Acts opens with these words. In my former book, Theopolis, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving us instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing tr proofs that he was indeed alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, when he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? But Jesus said to them, it's not for you to know the times and dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. Ascension Day, the day Jesus returned to heaven. It was 40 days after Resurrection Sunday which would have been this last Thursday on our calendar. 
And it was the day that Jesus left his disciples with the charge from Matthew 28 to go into all nations, preaching the good news of Christ. And right after that, Jesus ascended into heaven. He floated up into the sky. Now, Ascension Day marks the end of Jesus' ministry on earth and the beginning of ours. But Jesus reminds his disciples then and now that they will have power, Holy Spirit power, to help them with this task. Every person in the Trinity plays a great role in the biblical narrative. God the Father creates and establishes the law for Israel, the way that people should live with one another in relationship and with God. When Israel repeatedly broke the law, Jesus gave, uh, God gave his son, Jesus, to come to earth for the atonement for humanity's sins. And now, God gives the Holy Spirit to live in people's hearts enabling many more to come into salvation through their testimony. Now, Jesus had described and explained this to his disciples in John 14, verses 18 to 20. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. The Holy Spirit. This is the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead and gave him resurrected life. It's the power of God that brought Peter out from behind closed doors and enabled him to preach boldly, that first sermon regarding the truth of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. It's the same power that opened 3,000 people's hearts and minds that day to acknowledge and repent of their sins and be baptized in the name of Jesus. And it's the same power that brought people together in community to learn, to witness God's power to change lives, to share with one another, to worship God in wonder and praise, to pray. It's the same power that enabled lame men to walk, blind men to see, and those troubled by unclean spirits to be healed. But in the midst of all that was going on, there were those who opposed the disciples. They were brought before their religious leaders several times, They were thrown in jail, and they were even beaten. And Stephen was actually stoned to death. Yet by the power of the Holy Spirit, the disciples stood firm. They did not back down, and they continued to preach the truth that others might know the love of God through Christ. Now, the last two weeks, we reflected on the inclusive exclusivity of the gospel, that there is one way, but that that one way is open to all who would believe in Christ. And we also reflected on the fact that that God shows no partiality. He loves 
all of those that he created. Jesus was sent by God and he was equipped by him and the Spirit and with power. The very coming of Jesus was due to the love of God for those that he created. Join with me now as we hear today's message from the book of Acts, the 16th chapter, verses 6 to 15. Now hear the word of God. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Pyrrhia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mycenae and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, he got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight to Samarothrys. And the next day, he went on to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there for several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gates to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, Come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Dear most gracious God, we ask that you open the the eyes of our hearts and minds that we may receive the message you have for us today. A message for all of us and a message for each of us individually. And it is in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit we pray. Amen. You know, we live in a world where our motto is often, if it's meant to be, it's up to me. Anybody identify with that? Yeah, yeah. We're taught to be independent. We're taught to be self-sufficient. And I think that it's probably easy for us to think that that might have been the mindset of those early church leaders, too. But God's word really does try to help us understand that it's really not about us. It's about relationship. God is calling us into relationship with him. He wants us to join him in what he's already doing in this world. He wants us to allow him to lead and guide us with understanding. In this section of scripture, we see that Paul and his companions have been traveling. They have been told by Jesus they're to go out into the world and make the gospel known, the good news of Jesus. Now, I wonder if some of his traveling companions that day 
We're maybe trying to figure out why they weren't staying in some of these areas that they passed through. Maybe they even thought, if it's meant to be, it's up to me. And they tried to convince Paul to stop and let's preach to these people. But we see something very important going on here. Paul is very conscientious of the Holy Spirit's leading. And for reasons that maybe at that point in time he didn't fully understand, he was not at peace with stopping in any of those places. He actually was sensing that he was being blocked from preaching in those places, that he was not to go there. And then he has this vision, a dream maybe, of a man from Macedonia calling him and begging him to come to them. And Paul concludes that this vision is probably God speaking to him and saying, go to Macedonia. Now what is really, really important for us to realize here, and if you're not familiar with the, 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 the way the land is laid out in that area, What's really important for us here is that by going to Macedonia, Paul's taking the gospel into Europe. If he had preached in any of those other places, it would have still stayed localized as to where they had been before. But God is sending him into a new area, into Europe, where the message can go even farther. Now, Philippi was one of many Roman colonies by which Rome ruled the world. And although Philippi was considered to be the chief city in that part of Macedonia, there were no Jewish synagogues there. And when there was not a Jewish synagogue, what was typically the case was those who were devout and spiritually minded, they would gather by a river to pray together on Sabbath. Again, they're gathering. So Paul and his traveling companions, Silas, Timothy, and Luke, went to the river, and they found there a small group of women who were praying together. And Paul told them the story of Jesus. Now, we're only introduced to one woman in that story, Lydia, and she's described as a dealer of purple cloth. You know, and what that meant was that Lydia was a businesswoman, and it appeared that she was probably quite successful in her trade. And scripture tells us the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. Now, this is very important for us to remember. Like Paul, we're called to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus, with other people. But like this scripture reminds us, it's not up to us what happens. We are never to try to force the gospel on another person. It really is up to God to open people's hearts and convict them. We have the opportunity of joining with him in ministering to other people, to, the, to their hearts, by sharing Jesus. But God does the convicting, and he opens the hearts. Sometimes it may be that when we talk about Jesus and the effect he's had on our lives, it may be that we're simply planting seeds in somebody's life to consider that there might be another way. It may be that there is another person who comes in and waters those seeds. 
and maybe another who reaps the harvest of them saying, I believe. Now, Lydia's heart, we're told that it was ready to receive God. She had been a woman of faith. Somehow she'd been influenced, and she was a woman of faith. But she not only heard the message, she believed the message. That Jesus had come, he was the son of God, he'd gone to the cross, he had died, he had been resurrected, and he brought new life. She believed, and then as a result of her belief, she was baptized. And obviously, her testimony and the example that she had, that she put forth before people, must have had an influence on the other people because her servants and her dependents also made a similar confession of faith and were baptized. Often, when one person stands up fearlessly for Christ, others are encouraged to do the same thing. We see in this one example that people from all stations of life can come to Jesus. The wealthy, the poor, the servants, everybody's welcome. Lydia then invites the group to stay, to come and stay at her house. And this could be considered the first house church in that area. Can you imagine after they went to her home, the conversations that must have taken place around the table as they gathered together and shared meals together, the conversations about Jesus and his teachings and his life and his ministry. But what do we do with this today? What does this mean for us? What are we to take from this scripture? There are really two main takeaways. It's not all up to us. Instead of if it's meant to be, it's up if it's meant to be, it's up to me, we recognize no, it's up to God. And then the second thing we're to take away is to listen and follow the lead of the Holy Spirit. Now that's not something that we have as we journey with God, that sometimes we are instructed on how to do that. But there are things that we can do to to help make ourselves available to God. I was recently rereading a book that um, I had read some time ago um, by an author. His name is Andrew Murray, and he lived from 1828 to 1917. And he was born to missionary parents who served in the area of South Africa. And he became a pastor, and he became the the most well-known preacher in South Africa. And I want to share some of his thoughts about the Holy Spirit with you. There are five different takeaways from his, his thoughts on the Holy Spirit. And the first thought that he shares is, he says this, to manifest his presence, indwelling, and glory in you, Jesus considers it necessary that you be filled with the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit. We have to first firmly believe that the full blessing of Pentecost is a sacred reality. It's real. Murray states, a firm confidence that the blessing of the Holy Spirit is actually within our reach is the first step 
towards obtaining it. And then he says, we have to admit that we don't have this blessing. We're not there yet. We have to admit that we do not walk yet in the fullness of the Spirit. And once we've acknowledged that we're not walking in the fullness of the Spirit, we learn to express and to repeat over again this conviction, this blessing of the Holy Spirit is for me. My Father desires to have me filled with his Holy Spirit. The blessing lies before me to be taken with my full consent. I will no longer refuse by unbelief what falls to me as my birthright. With my whole heart, I will say, this blessing is for me. Many times we don't think we're worthy. We think that the blessing of the Holy Spirit is for somebody else. But this is what the Father promised to those who believed in Jesus. We're to claim that promise. The fourth thing is that we are to acknowledge that we can't bestow this blessing on ourselves, nor can we take it. It is God alone who works within our hearts and our minds. It's not up to us. However, we do make ourselves available to God. We pray. We read scripture. We study. But that's not going to get it for us. We think that we can. By doing all those things, if I pray a little bit more, if I read a little bit more, if I study scripture a little bit more, then the blessing of the Holy Spirit is coming. But that's God's work. But he does want us to be available through those different disciplines so that he can do the work in our hearts. And then last but certainly not least, the gift of the fullness of the Holy Spirit comes at great cost. We must give everything under the leading of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we think, well, okay, I'll give God this part of my life, but over here, I want to do what I want to do. But we're to submit all of who we are, our gifts, our talents, and ask for his leading. Last week, Pastor Andy asked us if we were hungry. Remember that? Those of you who were here, those of you who weren't here, he asked, are you hungry? Are you hungry for more of God? Are you really hungry for more of God? Are we hungry to watch him in action in our world? But not only to watch him in action, but to join with him. The Apostle Paul was hungry, and he describes his hunger for us in Philippians 3, 7 to 10, and these are his words. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of this surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, 
the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participate in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining the resurrection of the dead. Years ago, I struggled with that, that, that whole power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. And I was meditating on that one day, and, and I was thinking and reflecting on, you know, when we look at the cross and we look at what Jesus did for us, he suffered greatly. But in reality, when we look at that cross, sometimes we see the suffering, and our world has suffering in it. But when we look at the other piece of that cross, that it is displaying the love of God for his creation. You know, could it be that when we go through hard times, that somehow God is going to give and show us his love through those difficult situations that we're encountering? I think it happens when we kind of lay down our will and we quit resisting because most of us don't like to go through, I don't, I don't like to go through hard times. None of us do. But yet, if we keep our eyes on Jesus in those hard times, it's that, that suffering that we may be going through, he will raise us up beyond the suffering. So he will make himself real to us in those times when we seek him with all our hearts. God's desire for each of us, each one of us, is for us to have new life. He desires to make you full of the Holy Spirit. Full. Not halfway full. Not a quarter full. All the way full. For the Holy Spirit to, to consume your whole nature and your life. That everything and everywhere you go, it's led by the Spirit. You know, not long ago, I had a friend who was sharing with me that she had found a job description of um, her perfect dream job. And so she applied for this job and she went and she had her first interview and she said it re went really, really well. And I was so excited because she said, this is the, the job I have dreamed about all my life. And she said that night, she went to, after the job interview, she felt like it went well. She felt good about it. But she went to bed that night and she said, I, I got up the next morning. And she said, you know, I just wasn't at peace with it. There was something within my spirit that was just not right. And she said, and I couldn't, she said, at first I couldn't quite understand it because it's my dream job. <laughs> it's the job I dreamed about all my life. But she said, then I came to realize it was my dream job for maybe 20 years ago or 10 years ago. But for where I am now, it's not my dream job. God's calling me to a different place now. 
And to pursue that job, I would have to, my priorities would have to shift. And my priorities are where they need to be now. So she realized that what could have been her dream job wasn't where God was wanting her to go because there was an uncomfortable not at peace within her spirit. Jesus reminds us in John 14, 20, on that day when we are fully under the power of the Holy Spirit, we will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. Is that your desire today? Let there be no uncertainty, but let all that is within you cry out, Yes, Lord, with all my heart. The Apostle Paul states it this way in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by the faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And then later on in Philippians 4.13, he makes this statement. When facing trials, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. May it be so with you and with me this day and every day forward. Amen. Let us pray. Dear most gracious God, we welcome you. We thank you that you love us so much. You want to be in such close relationship with us that it's not up to us what we do or where we go or what we say, but that we rely totally on your spirit within us to lead us, to guide us, to direct our steps. What an awesome, awesome joy and blessing to walk that closely with you, Lord. And it is in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit we pray. Amen.